We are continuing with our series. It's called Always. Um, it's based on, on, on a scripture, 1 Peter 2.9. Uh, 2.9. It says uh, in the Amplified Version. But you are royal... But you are chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people, that you might set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's such a wordy one in the Amplified Version. But uh, that's, uh, that's our anchor scripture. And we're focusing on that phrase right there. At the, uh, it says, virtues. The virtues of God. Uh, virtues being moral excellence and uh, quality of character. When, you know, when I was uh, sitting over there and I was hearing Wayne preach and he says, the virtues of God. You know, I had one of those Moses moments, you know, like, the virtue of God. <laughs> And I was like, yikes, that's such a heavy thing. Displaying the virtue of God. I snooze my alarm at least three times in the morning. And I know half of, actually no, all of Durban jaywalks. And then we're given this great responsibility to display the virtues of God. It's such a weight. It's such a weight. Sometimes it feels like, ah, it's too much. I can't do it. It's too much. It's only for the it's only for the special. It's only for the guys who sit up front. Yeah, you guys that are you sitting up front, you display the virtues of God. We'll try, ne? and we'll cheer you on. Go. <laughs> but uh, it says we all are a royal priesthood. Every single one of us. Um, there's a scripture that is very important to us in our church movement and that we teach about it all the time. It's Ephesians 4:11, and uh, we're going to start from 11 till 13. And it reads New King James Version. It's important that I state the New King, the version of the Bible because this one time at BFC, uh, somebody was very, very, very upset that what was on the PowerPoint was not on their Bible. All right. They had an easy-to-read version, though, but anyway, they were very upset. So uh, it goes like this. And he, himself, and, and he himself gave some to be apostles and some to be apostles, and some to be prophets and some, and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Our greatest act of Christianity do not happen inside the four walls of the church. Our greatest act of Christianity do not happen inside BFC, DMC, all these other MCs and connect group that we attend. Those are not our greatest act of Christianity. Sometimes... I know we're getting there, you know, progression. That's why we're going to be talking about growth today. Sometimes it feels like you just did the best thing by coming to church. Like I see it. That's good. Coming to church is great and attending all these other things is great. But that's not the be all and the end all. It's just the beginning. It's the entry point. It's level one. It's the ABCs. There's a whole lot that follows. So, 
our greatest acts of Christianity don't happen inside the four walls of the church. They happen outside. When we get out there, you're nine to five. What is going to happen between the, between the next, after the next two hours until the next Sunday, until the next Tuesday or whenever you have connect group? That's your greatest act of Christianity. There's this impression out there that says, Oh, only the pastors, the prophets, the anointed men of God, the great ones are the, are the ones that are meant to do great world for uh, great good for, for Christianity and change the world. Come on, sobs, you are a legend. Yeah. I had a friend on campus, uh, he graduated and he's working for uh, Standard Bank. And he came back uh, to do something for his masters. And he met me at the quad and he, he was like, yo, bruh. You, what you are doing, it's so humbling, it's so honoring. You know, I wish I could do the same. Just leave my job, you know, just working for some company that I don't know and just go do something for God. And in my heart, I'm like, yay. But in actual fact, sometimes I feel like us that are inside here that work for the church can do, are doing that bare minimum at times. And the greatest work is done by you guys. That are out there. I hardly get to interact with non with with non-believers. I have to really fight for it, to just to, to meet and you know. There's this thing that happens. Uh, I think at the office where we sit down, campus guys, and be like, "So when was the last time you you spoke to an atheist?" It's like, "Oh, for me it was two weeks ago, a month ago. Oh, I've never." So it's like, wow, you spoke to an atheist type of thing. But for some of you, it's a daily thing. You get to interact with non-believers, backsliders, uh, drunkards, any, you know, you name it, on a daily basis. And that's where you can do the most for God. The scripture says, he gave some to, for the equipping of the saints. When we come here, it is for equipping. Sunday sermons are for equipping. BFCs for equipping, CMCs for equipping, DMCs for equipping, Connect Group is for equipping of the saints. Equipping is, uh, if the word for equipping is, uh, I think it's a Greek word, it's katartizo. Katartizo. I'm not Greek, so I can't read Greek. Katartizo. Basically broken down to katartizo. Which means to get ready and to prepare. So when we come here on a Sunday morning, it is to get ready and as to prepare for what's going to happen on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday. That's what's going to happen. We're preparing. We attend to get equipped. Not just for the sake of attending. In my mom's church... Uh, one day she will kill me for all the examples I make out of her church. <laughs> There's this old lady uh, that likes getting up. You know, they, when they testify and she gets up and she says, Basically translating to saying, I'm just here to sign the register. I'm just, I'm, uh, God, I was here. Register. Wayne Sanderman, present. Sobs, present. <laughs> no, it is to get equipped. It is to get equipped. It is to get equipped. Um, 
Abraham Lincoln, the famous uh, American president, uh, there's a story about him that he, one evening, he snuck into the back of a church and sat at the back and listened to a sermon. And afterwards, when he was leaving, his friend that accompanied him, accompanied him asked him, so what did you think of the sermon? He says, it was great. The word was impactful, inspiring. It was, it was a really good experience. And his friend asks him, but why do you look so downcast? And he says, that's because he did not ask something great of us. I was like, whoa, just like you. He did not ask something great of us. The word is here, the, the word and the sermons and everything that we do in church are there to equip you and to ask something great of you. Every sermon in our heart as a church is to really ask something great out of every single one of us here to go out there and do something great, to be transformed to the fullness of Christ. To show the fullness of Christ at Toyota, the fullness of Christ in the municipality, the fullness of Christ in the school. Where no church or no Bible scripture will be ever read, no song will be ever sung, no hymn will be ever read. But you displaying the fullness of Christ. That's our attempt is to get us there to the fullness of Christ on a daily basis that we walk towards the fullness of Christ and we being transformed on a daily basis not that just today after hearing a sermon that's probably going to be 45 minutes long like ta-da I'm going to show that the fullness of Christ it doesn't work like that it takes time <laughs> it takes time Second uh, Corinthians says with unveiled faces we behold Christ and we are being transformed from glory to from glory to glory. That I think that might be the small version. But we're being transformed from the from glory to glory. What we are today is not what we'll be tomorrow. But we need to pursue the fullness of Christ on a daily basis. Pursue what God has for us continuously. Um, there's this little danger in church that happens. If uh, are there any DUT students here? Dada. Okay, great, they're not here. (laughs) Ah, just hit. Awesome. So this one time I was preaching at DUT and uh, my sermon was about uh, how God is there to equip us and to inspire us. Please don't record this on my own phone that I will delete later. (laughs) And uh, God's word is there to inspire us and to equip us that life will not be hard, for, so take, it will not be easy, so take heart because God has overcome the world. So we need to persevere, we need to press on, we need to push through. I preached, I preached, I was tired, and then in typical, in typical DUT fashion, afterwards we had this long ministry time. And uh, one of the person who was sitting at the back comes up, the fr- up, up to me in the front and he says, Yo, bro, great word. I'm like, okay, awesome. Uh, so what can I pray for you? What can I pray for you for? And he says to me, please pray for me that my life will be easy. <laughs> you know when the Bible says, Selah? I had a Selah moment. I was like, pause. And ponder. (laughs) What is happening here? 
45 minutes of me huffing and puffing. That life won't be easy. And you want me to pray that your life becomes easy. Yeah, but that's the problem with us in church sometimes is that we have selective hearing. We have save favorite scriptures and favorite concepts and favorite disciplines that we like. And some of them we don't want to hear nothing about. Ask Mac about fasting and evangelism. He'll be like, woohoo! Ask me about fasting. I'll be like, uh, wow. Is this Sunday? <laughs> so we have favorite things that we enjoy and things that we don't enjoy. So half the time, what we do is when, cert- when we talk about certain things, we shut off. And then when we talk about certain things, we are light up. We're, we're paying attention. We're writing down notes like crazy. There was a, a preacher who once said, if we believe a slight bit of scripture, a little bit of scripture to be true, then we must believe the whole thing to be true. We must believe the whole thing in every little word to be true. If we can trust that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus saves us, all the other virtues of, of God that we are called to display must be true. We must share Christ. Introvert or extrovert. I didn't say that, the Bible did. Love your neighbor and love your enemy as you love yourself. And say that Jesus did. We don't have an option. It's not democracy. We can't pick and choose. I vote for sharing. I, I do not like forgiving. <laughs> forgiving must fall. No. Nothing is falling. Everything. <laughs> and everything. Is rising. For the glory of God. Amen. <laughs> All right. So let's get into some scripture today before ever, if, for before Tlebi starts to be my stand-up comedian manager. He volunteered this one time. Uh, John three verses three to five. It reads like this: There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher, uh, you are a teacher coming from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's already old? Can he enter a second time? Sorry, it's just cut in here. Uh, Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and, and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Uh, that which is born of the flesh is the flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is the spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the saying as it is, but cannot tell whether it, uh, you 
uh, you cannot tell whether it's coming from and whether it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of this, who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered, uh, answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you a teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. And you do not receive our witness. Uh, let's stop right there. So, in the scripture here, Nicodemus, who is the teacher of the law, who is a Pharisee, who is very great and awesome at knowing the law of God, which is the, the, the Old Testament. And he comes because of Jesus and Jesus' testimony and Jesus' works. And he comes to Jesus and he says to him, no one does it, can do the things that you do unless he's from God. And in this conversation, what clearly stands out is that Nicodemus has no clue about what Jesus is talking about. He is utterly clueless. Jesus explains it to him two times and he's clueless. And, he, and Jesus ends up saying, aren't you a teacher of Israel? And what I, what, what I notice here is that Nicodemus is a teacher of the law. He has been around the scriptures and he's been around the word of God all his life, countless of times. But he miss, he, he's missing something here. He's missing something. He's very familiar with the practices of, of, of the Judean world but he's, and the law, but he's not very familiar with the heart of it. If you are a teacher of the law and you are someone who's very high up, you know, bishop, vice cardinal, deputy in the church world, and this is what you've been doing all along, you must at some point have realized that the law cannot save humanity. That there's something missing here and there's something wrong. You, you, we keep, they keep asking people to do X, Y, and Z. People keep doing all these other things. One, two, three, four, five. They keep asking some more and people keep doing the wrong thing. There must be a revelation that says what, there's, there's something missing here. No, if, uh, and into to, to Nicodemus' favor, there's no doctrine of being born again that's being uh, spoken, that is ever written about in the Old Testament. But there's countless uh, scriptures that speak about the renewal of heart, the changing of mind. I will give you a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone, a renewing, a, new, a renewing that is happening in, a, in people's lives. So Nicodemus is clueless nonetheless. We, we could be in church every Sunday. We could be sitting under the word every day, have the greatest revelations and availability of knowledge and still be clueless about the heart of God. We could have all the knowledge about Christianity and still we wouldn't know the heart of God. What can happen is that Christianity and what Jesus teaches could be a beautiful theory that we talk about, where we talk about salvation. I think most of you are parents here. And uh, I think this one goes out to you. If, if you're in that room, this is a tip. I don't know, just, just take it for free. It's, uh, it's a tip. And uh, please pay this, pay this uh, a, a good load of attention. On campus, I come across a whole lot of, student, a whole lot of students, first years, all 
from all different walks and backgrounds. And what I find most in common about the, about the kids that attend Christian schools is they have a whole lot of knowledge and little substance. I've spoken to countless of kids that come from Christian schools and they come to me and then we talk, I, I, I talk about God and be like, so how's God in, where are you with God? I love God. So uh, why don't you come to church? Um, I'm not a church person. It's like, what's wrong with coming to church? It's just the, you know, the people and the sitting and it's just not for me. And then the more I talk, the more I realize that this person is institutionalized to be Christian. There's no revelation of who God is. And when you say, okay, cut it out. Let's stop talking about church and attending this and that. Where are you with God? Uh, where are you? How do you feel about God? Where, what, 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 what is your relationship with God? And then they begin to break it down and unravel. And then you start going to scripture and they come to, ah, I know all of that, all of those things. They taught all, they taught all of, they taught us all these things in school. And then you, my heart breaks that someone has such a wealth of knowledge but has very little revelation and little practical living out of what they know. We could be in danger of sitting and talking about the theory of God and never doing the practical. Uh, just a little disclaimer, I forgot to mention that my title for the sermon is Always Grow. <laughs> Sorry, Wayne got me all excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have the mic, I can blame you. Uh, so, if we are to grow in Christ... We have to stop theorizing and talking about the theory and start doing. Let's just do it. There's no, there's no miracle cure. We have to start doing it. Dina, my friend over there, he, he, he's such a great friend. He gave me a guitar and he said I should start learning to play guitar. And I started learning and then the first thing, first challenge I found was that as a left-handed person, the world is against you completely. <laughs> so the guitar was right-handed, so I had to be like, something about this doesn't feel natural. <laughs> but anyways, for the love of friendship, <laughs> then I decided to download this book about guitar uh, from what Lena recommended, Justin Guitar. And it was a, a book on guitar theory. And then I started reading it. I'm like, ooh, this is fascinating. And then I started reading. And then I started playing guitar and then I started reading. And then I decided, this is hard. This hurts. I'm going to stop. I'm going to continue reading. <laughs> and I read guitar theory. And I, read, and I was reading and I was reading. I was like, oh, guitar theory is so fun. I know in guitar theory... That a chord is made up of a, uh, out of uh, three notes on a scale, which is the first and the third and the fifth. I know that. Can I play that? 
I can't. I can't. It works in theory for me. In theory, it works. Practically, dololo. We could say, always forgive in theory. Always love Christ. Always love others in theory. It works in theory. Christianity is not just theory only. It's theory and practical. There are people who do not know chord theory, but can play guitar way better than me. I'll leave it that one day. So we need to be doers of the word. In James, in James 1.22, James says, do not, uh, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and afterwards looks, uh, looks at himself and goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. We need to start doing. Growing comes from doing. When we start doing it. And we, how many of us know, how many of us know what it takes to live a healthy life and to be fit? (laughs) I'm also there. All right. In Acts 2, after Peter, uh, after the Holy Spirit comes down and they begin to speak in tongues and Peter gets out and he begins to uh, preach and he ministers to the crowds and people accusing them of being drunk and he preaches and he preaches and after a while conviction hits and uh, in 2.37 it says... And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They were cut to the heart. Growth starts when we are convicted in our hearts. When we are cut to the heart about the truth of God. When we are cut to the heart about the realities of of this world or the realities of life. You know, uh, this one time we were at the office and Wayne was sharing a story about his uh, two fathers, his father and his father-in-law. And in him sharing that, he tells me about his father who doesn't exercise and his father-in-law who exercises and can carry both at that time, could carry both his grandchildren on his shoulders and hike up a mountain. And he says, I want to be like that when I grow up and get old. I was cut to the heart. (laughs) <laughs> and I decided I think I, th- I need to get my act together What we do on every Sunday Is that we try to get everyone To a moment where we, re- we, we reveal scripture And then we get to a point Where you are cut to the heart And we are convicted About the truth of the word of God And then we, after that We say brethren Men of God What shall we do What can we do that's where it starts. Cut to the heart and then afterwards we need to start doing. Because the more you do, the better at it you get. I was, 
I, I think I received so much training in evangelism, it was starting to make my head a bit dizzy. And then we went out, and then uh, I had all this theory, and then we started preaching, well, not preaching, talking about uh, God and the gospel to one of, to the students on campus. Uh, and then this other girl looks at me and he says, um, you know what, I don't believe in God, I believe in science. And I was like puzzled. And all the training in the world did not prepare me for that. And I was like, I I don't know what to do now. But you know what that did to me? It said, okay, that's okay. And then it's fine. So just humor me. Let me share, let's, let's share our story. And afterwards, yeah, let's see what happens. You know, the gospel, the Bible says we must share the gospel, not preach and all of it, and not try to convert people, just share only. And then we shared and then we walked away. And then when I was in my room, I was like, I'm so definitely going to find out what to say the next time someone says to me, I don't believe in God, I believe in science. When we start doing, we grow. When you start doing and you get, you know, like when, you, when you're trying to do something and you fail, you start, you try again. If at first you don't succeed, try again. Try and try again. The, the more you try, the better you get at it. The same thing with Christianity. It's like riding a bike. Get on it and ride. You fall, get on it again. Afterwards, you, in no time, you realize what you were struggling with a year ago is not a feature anymore. Sometimes we can make excuses. You know, I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm a person who has very little filters when it comes to being sensitive to how words can sometimes affect other people. <laughs> and I have, this, I have this natural tendency to just shoot off the mouth, or shoot my mouth. Spade's a spade. And then afterwards, people get hurt. And then I have to have this awkward conversation when someone comes to me and he says, what, I did not like what you said. So naturally, in my heart, I have learned that when someone says, I did not like what you say, apologize. Because you're probably wrong. Most definitely wrong. There's nothing that I've said probably that was right. It was probably wrong. So I've learned to apologize. And just let, okay, I'm going to learn. It's, a, it, it's something in me. Okay, I'm working on it. We're going to get there. Jesus is not done with me yet. Just like Steve Harvey said, we're going to, work. <laughs> we're going to get there. We're, we're going to get there. And what I've noticed with people that do not have the same problem as me is that they make excuses. And someone shoots off their mouth and then, but that was hurtful. And like, well, that's, that's the truth. That's my nature. Sometimes we don't even like reconciling with other people because we believe that's our nature. We don't like confrontational situation because that's, I'm just an introverted person. I don't like confrontation. I don't like reconciliation. So I'm just going to cut that person out of my life. So I don't want no drama. Let me just stay away from me. Just I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Is that gospel truth or is it just us? That's you, you the first. Me, me the first. We have to grow. And growth comes from, it. it's a heart issue. I have to be like Christ. I have to be transformed into the image of Christ. And I don't remember in scripture where Jesus was saying, I'm cutting you out of my life. You don't like what I have to say? Oh well, fine. 
We're not friends anymore. In our generation, in our, in, in our context, we can be so active and so robust in debates and arguments online and say all sorts of things that we say to people but, and be passionate about topics and, and, and um, movements and notion, but literally do nothing about it besides type statuses. I'm I'm beginning to touch a few corners. I hope I I, I hope after this you're going to do something about something instead of just talking about it. Second Corinthians fifteen thirteen to fifteen. Uh, it's such a beautiful scripture that Lindor shared last week, and it says, "If we are out of our minds, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convic- convinced that one died for all, and that therefore all died." It goes on and says wonderful things about resurrection. But what I want to get here is this thing. We are, the love of Christ compels us. We are compelled by the love of Christ. We should never do anything because it is our Christian duty and we need to take a register. The most precious and the most heartfelt of acts are acts that come out of love. When the love of God compels you to act and it compels you to do certain things. When the love of God consumes our life and the conviction of His truth and the conviction of His scripture consumes us that we realize that God loves us exactly how we are, but He's not willing to leave us exactly how we are. He wants to transform us and change our hearts. Whenever situation comes up and we are confronted by the truth, the love of God must compel us to act in a way that is aligned to Scripture. Sure. To act in a way that is godly. In a way that will bless, reflect Christ, not us. In closing, I think I need to look for the emergency exit. <laughs> Make sure the sermon was inspired by Wayne. All right. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. Uh, uh, We were in a BFC class uh, with TK on campus long, long ago, and one of our fellow classmates asked. Asked, and he was very hungry to grow, and he was very hungry to live a righteous life. And he asks, so Mfundis, what can I do to grow? What can I do to, to grow spiritually? 
now was coming to the end of BFC. And when he said, just do the word of God. Just read it and do it. And then I, I, I was listening, but yeah, that struck me. And then I decided, I'm going to do what Wayne says. I'm just going to get out there and we're going to do it. It has landed me in a whole lot of trouble, but <laughs> that's what I, that's, that's one of my principles in life. We read it, we do it. All right. In closing, Philippians 3.12. Uh, this is Paul, Paul speaking. And he says, not that I have already obtained or I'm already, and I'm already perfect, but I press on that I may lay a hold of what, of, of, of that which Christ, Christ Jesus has laid a hold of. Brethren, I do not count myself to be, uh, to have apprehended, but on one thing I do, forgetting those things which have, uh, which are behind, reach forward to those things which are ahead, pressing towards the goal to the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We need to forget about the past. Forget about the shortcomings we've had before. And lay a hold of what God has for us. There's a, a, a beautiful song by Jesus Culture. It's, it starts with these words, we've only scratched the, the surface. We've only just had one glance. We've tasted of your glory, but there's so much more. We've only scratched the surface of living a life that displays the virtues of God. We've only had one glance. And we need to press forward into his upward call on a daily basis, going on and moving on from glory to glory, in strength, from strength to strength. We need to grow in our faith. One day, my only faith that I had was that I passed my grade one uh, school. And that was enough for that time of my life. And then afterwards, I had to have faith to get into varsity when I come from a disadvantaged background and my parents had no, no means to take me to varsity. I had to have faith for that. When I get to varsity, I had to have faith to carry on and to pass varsity. When I graduated, I had to have faith to start doing something with my life that I felt was meaningful besides just going doing a nine to five and carrying on in the, you know, the monotony of life. And then I started working for the church. And then in that I had to have faith that the church won't fall apart and we don't want to run out of money and we all be <laughs> jobless. In that, I had to have faith for a campus that the word of God can reach a generation that is so far from God. And in that, I have to get up every morning and trust God that the truth of God is the, is the most precious thing on earth that will ultimately change the world. And I don't know what I have to have faith for next. It feels like it's too much already. But it, it's growth. It's one area of my life, and there are many areas of our life. There's in, in speech, in word, in deed, in practice, in everything that we do. We grow on a daily basis. 
We have to not be the same, the same person you were yesterday, the same person that you were the day before, or otherwise we'll be stuck in this real trap of just talking about what God can do and not really getting out there and doing what God has called us to do. In closing, let us not be hearers of the word. Let us be doers of the word, and then we'll truly grow.